our story within God's story. So let me read this. Uh, so we're processing our life through these stories that God's given us. And over and over again, God's given, given blessing and promise. That, that is a, a constant theme throughout the Bible. God comes with promise. He comes with blessing. He comes with promise. He comes with blessing. It's a grace gift. It means God is giving something away that we could never earn or never produce on our own. So let me just remind you of this scripture. This is Romans chapter 15, verse 4. It says, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. It's for our learning. It's for our patience. It's for our comfort. It's for our hope that we would rehearse these stories. And so we talked about Abraham last week, and we're going to continue with Isaac. Isaac. Now, Isaac is one of the least developed characters of the patriarchs, but nonetheless significant. Extremely important for us to be able to hear and respond to what God wants to speak to us about. But these stories should be striking to you when you read them of how much dysfunction there is. Even in Abraham's life, the man of faith, there's much dysfunction. He has uh, a son outside of promise and Ishmael is created and there's a generations of Ishmael that the Bible refers to. And then there's Isaac and there's conflict. There's conflict in the home. There's conflict in in the relationships. Not completely what God intended. And yet God is still moving. And yet God is still doing things. God is still leading, guiding Anyone who will listen. That's the story of Abraham. God is looking for people who will hear and respond to his voice. And then, in, so we're, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 26. But just prior to Genesis chap, chapter 26, it makes reference to Isaac's two sons, Esau and Jacob. Two twins. That one follows God, the other one follows his own way. In fact, Esau despised his birthright. He despised what his life was to be about in God. He didn't want what you and I want here today, which is to find our story within God's story. Esau wanted to write his own story. We get little glimpses of that as the New Testament makes it come alive to us. In Hebrews 12, it talks about how Esau just became bitter. He wanted what he wanted, and that's all he wanted is what he wanted. And when he didn't get what he wanted, he just became bitter. You know, many Christians can slide off the pathway and yet be so close. Esau was so close, so close but he despised what God had for him. So our heart should be, God, I don't want to despise. I, I, I want 
to hear your heart. I want to hear your story for my life. And so in Genesis chapter 26, we pick up this story about, about Isaac. And let me read these um, few verses. Praise you, God. It begins in, in verse 1. I'm, I'm going to start reading in verse 2, but it begins in verse 1, how there's a famine in the land, just like there was a famine in Abraham's time. Now, just, okay, just, a, just a little step back to, again, put it into the big picture, okay? There's a famine in the land. Why is there a famine in the land? Why was there a famine in Abraham's time? Why was there chaos and destruction in Noah's time? How did God begin? He began with the earth that was full of all the resources we could ever imagine or need. He never intended life to be less. He intended us to walk in fellowship and communion with him. But over and over again, you're going to find through the book of Genesis, here's, a, here's another way to read the book of Genesis. Because at the end of the book of Genesis, as you know, it talks about Joseph. Well, what was Joseph, one of his main assignments? was to deal with the famine that was in the land, to be a blessing to the nations. So Abraham had to be led by God. When he was led by God, he would lead him through the famines. He would lead him through the dry places. Now, Isaac finds himself in a famine. Do you find yourself in a famine? Is there something that seems restrictive? Is there something that seems like it's not as life-giving as it should be? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your vocation. Maybe something. But ask the Lord. As we fellowship together, as we worship together, as we create this environment where God can speak to us, he will certainly speak to us because that's what he does in verse 2 of Genesis Chapter 26, it says, Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I tell you. Now remember the story of Abraham. Abraham went down to Egypt, and then he had to come back and repent and, and come back to where God had called him to be. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. Notice, notice the promise and the blessing to Adam to Noah, to Abraham, to Isaac. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For you and your descendants I will give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. I will give, you, I'll give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. God's promises, God's past promises, were meant to be performed in our present. Now, one of the things that we can do is make this too individualistic. It's not about us trying to find 
our own little creative story. It's about, first of all, finding the big story. What is God actually up to in the world? Because he's been up to it for a long, long time, thousands of years. And he's come to us with promise and with blessing over and over and over again. In the midst of our famines, in the midst of our turmoil, in the midst of our sin, God comes to us to restore promise, to restore blessing, but he requires obedience. He requires a responsive heart to what he's doing, what he's saying. This is what God comes to Isaac with, the same promise. Guess what? God comes to you with the same promise. If you are Christ's, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is not a separate, distinct, different promise for you, for me. It's the same promise. It's us finding ourselves and our relevance today with what God is doing. What does it look like for Josh, Sam, for Peyton? What does it look like for us, our names, to be blessed of God, to receive the promise of God? What does it look like for Scott Braxton to be walking in relationship with God. I didn't mean to leave all the women out, but the women are usually, they're all usually on track, so I'm just pointing out the guys. But the, the, the point is, our promise is in God's heart. It's not to make up our own story. It's to find our prosperity, our prosperity. God has prosperity for every person in the midst of famine, in the midst of brokenness. So God's past promises were meant to be performed in our present. God delivers these promises in spite of our flaws and our failures. Because what happens next in this story is how Isaac does the same thing his father did. He lies about his wife. He violates his wife. In Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 20, we read about the story of how Abraham just had this fearful flaw. He was afraid of death. He didn't fully trust God in a certain area, and it just continued to come back. You know, what we don't deal with will eventually deal with us. It comes back around until we surrender it till we surrender it to the Lord and say, God, help me, help me walk, give me grace. We, we, will, we will not do things perfect. We will make mistakes. Abraham did, Isaac did. But the past failures and the past character flaws of our fathers, everyone in the room is living with character flaws of your father, of your mother of your family. That is a reality. But God can still deliver promise in the midst of flaws and failures. That's the story. That's the story that we can draw hope from, comfort from. Remember that scripture? From these stories, we can draw hope and comfort and have patience, that persistence. Even though I've failed, 
even though I still struggle with some of the same things I struggled with 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago. God is still coming to deliver promise and blessing. That's the story. That's the story for your life. When we find ourselves in Christ, we're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise because of faith. Because of faith. Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 in that story. And I encourage you to read the story. Read the whole chapter. But read the whole book of Genesis. And I'm giving you little clues, little little thought flows, little patterns that will cause the Holy Spirit to draw out for you things that will sustain you in your present, in, in your story right now. So in Genesis 26 and verse 12, verse and 13, it says, And Isaac sowed in the land and reaped the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continue to prosper until he became very prosperous. I wonder if God desires us to prosper. Obviously, he does. He desires us to prosper. But it says here, Isaac sowed in the land. When did he sow in the land? In the year of famine. He sowed when he, it seemed like he didn't have enough. But see, his hope was not trusting in the circumstances. His hope was trusting in God. God said he would bless him. Where would he bless him? In this land, in this place. Not any place. Not every place. In this place. In a place of obedience. In a place of saying, God, this is where I believe you want me to be, and this is what I believe you want me to do. So many times in our lives you'll find yourself in that place where you don't know what to do, where to go, and when we our heart surrenders and submits to God and say, God, like all I know to do is what I sense you are leading me to do, where you're planting me. And God will always make that clear to you, as difficult as that may be to stay in those places sometimes. It's a famine place. But it says, Isaac sowed. He sowed, and God prospered him. So one of the key issues in our life is focus on giving. Focus on receiving from the Lord the promise and the blessing and give in that place, regardless of the circumstances. You know, when we came down to downtown Edmonton, it, it did not look like a good place to go. But God was leading us there. It did not look like a, 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 a uh, it's, it's one of the more expensive places to try to rent or, or have parking or any of this, but it, it's where God wanted us to go. And when you focus on just giving, and, and, that's, and, and that's a lesson we can draw from Isaac's life, that he sowed, he, he focused on giving, he found ways to give. You know, our, our facility this week is going to be used for uh, some students and uh, through Athletes in Action doing an alpha course here. That's a, that's a way that we give. And since we, God has led us here, 
my focus and I hope our focus has been, how can we give, God? How can we give? How can we give? Not how can we survive. See, that's the mindset. It's like, how can we survive in this? All the restrictions. I mean, we came downtown and a month later, everything shut down. (laughs) You know, restrictions and all all, all the different things. But we focused on giving. God, how can we give in this environment? We have something to give. It's called the gospel. It's called the good news. How can we give it? Well, we've done more online. All you guys that are listening online, it's a blessing to have you guys. We're so grateful that you guys are tuned in and listening. Over at Kiwanis, many of of them uh, listen in. I shouldn't say many, but some of them listen in, we go over there, but we're finding ways to give. Even in the midst of restrictions, even in the midst of of limitations, we find ways to give the gospel. But it says that Isaac sowed and he prospered and God blessed him and he just continued to to be blessed. And then as we move down farther into the story, verse 26, or uh, verse 17 of chapter 26, then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called him. This whole idea of wells, it's symbolic. It's very practical in their day. None of us draw water from wells, although you you could have that same analogy when when we have resources that flow into our homes. But this idea of a well, it's, it's, it's what John was describing in John chapter 4, where Jesus meets the woman at the well. But Jesus is trying to connect her with something much deeper and much more consistent. Here we see this this pattern of how Abraham dug wells to feed, to supply himself, his family, his servants, his flocks. But it says the enemy came and dumped garbage, dirt down the wells. Well, this idea of well, what what Jesus described to us is that there's a well that I can establish on the inside of you that will never run dry. This is what Isaac was tapping into. This is what you and I are called to tap into, a well that never runs dry because it's tapped into the very heart of God. But in this story, it talks about how the enemy, the Philistines, would stop up the wells, throw dirt in the wells. Well, those, those wells took energy, took effort, took getting down on your knees in those days and just literally digging until you hit a life source. Well, the analogy for us is how do human hearts connect with God? There's not a million different pathways. There's the pathway of our fathers. There's the pathway of how Noah did it 
Abraham did it. How Isaac did it. It's through humility. Through repentance. Through just simple worship of God. Desire for God. Passion for God. God, I want you to bless me. I want your promises. I want to be caught up in your story. But see, many, many Christians find themselves in the middle of their life or near the end of their life, and the wells have been stopped up. They've stopped praying. They've stopped being humble. They've stopped reading their Bible. Like, sadly, I could tell you story after story after story how the Bible is no longer authoritative anymore. It's no longer the well that God intended it to be. That prayer is almost non-existent. That worship never seems to happen. What is that? That's forsaking the well. The wells that our fathers drank from. Do you realize Abraham is your father? He really is. Isaac is your father. In the natural. He, in the natural in the sense of fathers that walk before us. We live in a fatherless society. Disconnected from our past. We have a whole culture that's rewriting history. They're rewriting it. But God will never allow that to overtake everything. There'll always be a connection. There'll always be a pathway to our fathers. The Holy Spirit will, will help us find it. But those wells didn't just start and stop in the life of the patriarchs. They continued with Moses, with David, into the prophets, into Jesus into the New Testament church. There's many things that our fathers have given us. The Apostles' Creed. Those are people who dug the wells. They got on their knees and they prayed and they sought God and they wanted to get things right. I had the privilege of studying in, in Oxford and I stood in a pulpit that Cranmer, one of the leaders of the Anglican Church back in the 1500s, preached in that pulpit. John Wesley preached in that pulpit. C.S. Lewis preached in that pulpit. These are all men that continued to dig the wells. And many, many others. I, 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 that's such a disservice to many, many others over the centuries. But we're disconnected from our history sometimes. We're disconnected from our fathers. We don't name the wells of our fathers. We name, Isaac named the well what his father named it. And Abraham would name the well prayer. He would name the well worship. He would name the well humility. He would name the well of which he received life from God. The altars of worship that Abraham met God at. You know, all these, all these historic realities need to 
be at the forefront of our mind to know that we are connected with the earth. We are, we, we are desperately um, needy of the old to see how God had led, him, led them, dealt with them. There's so much, so much I could say there, but I, I need to move on. But some things will only flow from the well from which they, some things will only come from the well from which they flow. And that's just plain worship, plain holiness, plain repentance, plain re obedience, just a plain passion for God. If you want to look through the centuries, the centuries of men and women who followed God, the common denominator is their passion for God. Like, God, I want to know you. I want to know you. And they discover that God's a God of promise and he's a God of blessing. He's a God that comes to us in our famines. The story goes on to say how, um, well, let me read these two verses. This is Isaiah 12, verse 3. Therefore, the joy, with joy, you will draw, from the, from, draw water from the wells of salvation. Psalm 87, 7 says, both the singers and the players of instruments say, all my springs are in you. But let's read this now. This is Genesis 26, verse 23. Then he went up from there to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him. And so this is the second time God's appearing to him. I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear. The repetitive call of God to not fear, not fear, do not fear. It, 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 it echoes through the narrative of God's word over and over again. So I have to pause here and say, what are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? What is gripping our hearts with fear? Because God is coming to us with promise and with blessing. For I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and Isaac's servants digged, dug wells. So in the story, there's wells that are reclaimed, re-sanctified, re uh, dug out, and then there's wells that his servants dug new wells. You know, us being downtown in this location is like a new well. It's not disconnected from the old wells. It's just simply a new well. It's a new place where people can be fed, be watered, be energized, be led and encouraged and comforted. You know, every Sunday when I come in and we've instituted pre-service prayer here again because of this very reason, because certain things only come from the well from which they flow and it requires worship and prayer and humility and just saying, God, I, I, I want to follow you. But what I was going to say is I, I go around the, this worship center and I try to pray symbolically in each one of the corners 
just simply to say, God, this is a place that you can dwell. This is a place where you can meet us. You know, I heard a long time ago, if you want God to meet you, just simply draw a circle, stand in the middle of the circle and say, God, your will be done here. Lead and guide and direct here. Now, that's a little incomplete because you don't just go every, anywhere or do anything. But you say, God, begin to lead me, guide me, direct me. God has done so many amazing things since we've been down in this location, has touched so many lives, so many lives in so many different dimensions, from the seniors to the prisons to the university to online. Why? Because you, we have the courage to say, God, do something fresh. It's the old well, but it flows with fresh water to restore us, to lead us, to guide us. Just to end off here in verse 33, it says, So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. What, 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 what's striking to us about that? Here, Isaac has an encounter with God, and he digs a well. He digs a well. He builds an altar the unalterable need for altars in our lives? What are the altar moments in your lives? Where are the things that God began to feed you and give you revelation? Well, they dug a well there, and that well resourced a city for generations. For generations. The new thing that God wants to do in Edmonton, will never be done with just Embrace Church. But Embrace Church can do its part. God's doing amazing things all over the city. But what God calls us to do is do our part to dig our well with just plain obedience, plain passion, plain God, I want your will to be done. But this is John, I'm going to give you two last scriptures and then I'm going to ask John to come up again now, guys. But this is John 4, verse 13. Jesus answered the woman at the well and said, Whoever drinks the water, this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And then Jesus says later in John 7, 38, he said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Those living waters flow through hearts who are humble, who are submitted, who say, God, your will be done, your kingdom come in our hearts. So I just encourage you to think about what is it that maybe has stopped up the well? in your heart? Where is it that God wants you to continue to dig, continue to discover? It will be the story of old, but it will bring freshness into our life now. So, Father, I just thank you for every heart. Lord, we're gathered here together because of you. 
because of what you have accomplished. You have, through your life, your death, your resurrection, have established a well that will never run dry. There is a grace. God, help us to realize that we could never earn it. We could never deserve it, but you have welcomed us into your life through your death. That when we identify with your death, when we leave our lives, what we want to make of our lives, what the world has wanted to make of our lives, when we leave those and reach for you, Lord, you have a resource that never runs dry. Lord, I pray over every heart and mind here. Lord, I I, I know you're dealing with so many hearts at this very moment. Lord, I pray you'd make it clear and plain. Lord, how they could unstop the well. How they could allow rivers to flow once again. It will not be something we earn. It will not be something we deserve. But it will be something we can discover as we humble our hearts, as we worship you, as we have an attitude of repentance, that God, we need you. We need you. We need you more than ever before. Lord, I pray every heart would respond with a yes to you. And if you happen to be hearing this messages, message and I encourage you to go back and listen to other messages. But if you're listening right now and you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, surrendered your heart to the one who loves you the most, I want to lead you in this prayer. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I repent of my sin. I ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Flow your forgiveness. Flow your life into me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And empower me to become the person that you want me to become. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I just appreciate everybody who's listening online. You can put a, a thought in the, in the chat box. You can put a prayer request as well. Obviously, we're going to finish with some some worship here as we just unite our hearts together. But uh, I want to welcome you to come. We're gonna we're gonna be praying here, especially in light of this message. We're gonna be praying here every uh, every Sunday, ten thirty. You're welcome to come, pray with us. Maybe you have a prayer need. Maybe somebody you know has a prayer need. Um, uh, we would love to to pray over those things but also just gather our hearts and surrender our hearts, unite our hearts here to let God speak to us and father us and love us in this, in this, in this church, in Grace Church, in this place. And uh, so I also encourage you to connect with us on Instagram, on uh, our YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, I encourage you to go there now, subscribe to the channel. You can get updates and stuff that Cassidy uh, talks about. We'll have our Bible study here tomorrow at uh, 7 o'clock. 
and uh, yeah, tithes and offerings you can give. Remember, you live from your giving. So allow God to prosper you and, and respond with giving, respond with sowing seeds. So Father, I pray over our offering. Lord, I pray over every heart, mind, every person, their, their business, their, their vocation, whatever they do, God, I pray that your hand of blessing would be upon it. And Lord, as they sow, even so in times of famine, God, that you would bless them and prosper them. That through the, the discipline of giving, God, that age-old discipline of giving, God, that you would flow blessing back into their life. That it's more blessed to give than to receive. And you will press down, shaking together, running over shell. You give back to them. In Jesus' name. Amen. So why don't we stand together and uh, let's worship the Lord. Say 